Welcome back to Dare to Feel. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, creative artist, best-selling author of Fuck Like a Goddess, transformational and spiritual mentor and coach. This series is based on my book, Dare to Feel. And each episode will deepen into topics around intimacy, relationships, spirituality, healing, and beyond. In today's episode, we're speaking with Bethany C. Myers about their journey into motherhood, about working with body neutrality, even amidst hard times, and about turning your wounds into your gifts. We also touch on surrendering and opening to partnership and marriage, and so much more. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to have Bethany C. Myers with us today. Welcome, Bethany. Hello. I'm so excited, too. All right. I want to introduce you and who you are to our audience. Many people may know you, but here is the full picture. Bethany C. Myers, they, she, is the founder and CEO of The Become Project. Having spent over a decade teaching sought-after and waitlisted classes, they quickly became a recognizable lead instructor across the country. Over the course of their career, Myers has developed teaching curriculum for prominent studios, trained countless instructors, led pre- and postnatal workshops, and continues to be known for their unique and effective cueing. Meyer's approach to fitness is through a body-neutral lens, or the idea of shifting from self-criticism to a middle ground of acceptance of one's body. Beyond the Become Project, Myers is a prominent voice and advocate in the LGBTQ community, published author of I Am More Than My Body, and has particular ambition on making movement accessible to more people. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I love reading people's bios live. Uh, you know, it's just like, wow, right? it does set the stage for like, You've done cool shit. I noticed in that bio, it didn't mention your TED Talk. And I actually first encountered you because I went to my friend Saw's TED Talk at the assemblage and you were giving yours that day. Oh my gosh. Yes, totally. That's so, that feels like a lifetime ago. It was. It was like 2017, which I guess has been like a hot second, but it feels like it should be so recent, but also like so much has happened since then. Right. <laughs> and physically, like you look very different. I think at the time, maybe you had short, like short, short blonde hair. Was it right? Yeah. Or? Yeah. yeah. This is actually the longest my hair has been in in a probably a decade. I am normally like shaved head and pixie cut and I don't know. I think like getting pregnant did something to me. I was like, I just want to like let it grow and be barefoot. And <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that. So, so since your body of work started started with this amazing concept of body neutrality, which we'll get into a little bit today, how did? And this is a big question, so we can break it down and bite it off in chunks. But how did getting pregnant? change your previous um, body of uh, your previous like notions or thesis about your relationship to your body. Um, and then, yeah, where have you landed with that now coming from that, that concept that I think you brought forward in the collective around body neutrality? 
Yeah. I mean, this is something I, I think about almost daily. It started, so I had an infertility journey getting pregnant. It was about two years that I spent trying to get pregnant. I also had a miscarriage during that time. I um, did, I started the process of IVF. We didn't end up getting pregnant through IVF, uh, but we started that process, so injecting hormones. So the the body, you know, uh, conversation with myself started during that time, and it was very, very intense. And it was intense because my body was changing. Like I, I got pregnant, I lost the pregnancy. Um, it was a while. I mean, I, I basically like found out very early on that the pregnancy wasn't viable, but I waited until like 12 weeks to try to pass it on my own before I went a medical route. And so that was, you know, body changes within itself. And then doing, you know, taking hormones, injections, like that was a ton of body changes. And then also we were at a fertility clinic. Um, so it was going in every day and like seeing, you know, every other day, basically I was in like getting blood drawn and seeing my uterus, like seeing my insides. (laughs) So I think, you know, I wish I had like a one liner of like, this is what it felt. But like you said, it's just such a bigger conversation. It was so, um, it was so face to face with my, with my physical self. And I went through a really big roller coaster of what that meant and what that felt like and how different it felt to like get my period month after month, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and then getting pregnant and then watching my body change so drastically is, you know, you're, you're very aware. You just keep growing and growing and growing. Um, and then having a baby (laughs) and then afterwards, like where I am now is just really working on like finding acceptance within this, this new body, um, that is so different than what I knew before, but is also like so incredible. I am exclusively breastfeeding. And so like feeding my baby who's now six months old through my body, that's a whole trippy experience. Um, I think that for myself, like two things have happened. One, I've realized how challenging the idea of body neutrality can be when you're really, really face to face with your body and Mm -hmm. like accepting that there's a challenge there and that's okay. And then two, also feeling at the same time more body neutral than ever because I'm like, oh, my body is so much more than just like this image that's supposed to be displayed, right? Like it is this powerhouse of life and it is this powerhouse of strength to give birth and it's feeding, like it is all these other things. But those two have been like at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And it makes sense in a sense, like if we've been conditioned to see our body as either we love it, oh my God, I'm hot and it's, I'm thin or whatever it is, or I hate it. My body is bloated or it's heavy or whatever. If that's kind of the societal um, 
scale that we were indoctrinated into in our youth to come into a relationship where it's not about how it looks. I mean, that's obviously a part of it, but it's about like, wow, this body is functioning in this amazing way, right? It's, it's, it's holding new life. It's adapting, it's changing. And, um, it feels like almost, a a a maturing that can happen and maybe people have it in other situations, not just pregnancy, but like when they go through some sort of a illness that they overcome, it's like, wow, my body is so much more than a sexual object or than an image. It is this incredible system of like a million systems and cells all working together. And so, yeah, I would imagine from what you went through, just kind of taking us through that journey from, getting pregnant, miscarrying, going through fertility and kind of all the way to here that you went through your own physical, emotional, spiritual initiation into a new relationship with your body. So, I mean, that's a great way to describe it because when I think about just the last three years, three and a half years, like however long this has been, it's, it's, It's every single emotion at once. Like I often find myself feeling really infuriated for what I feel like infertility took away from me. And I think that it took so much of my emotional self. Like it it was the most unhappy I've ever been. It really sucked a lot of life out of me. Like it's the only way that I know how to describe it. And when I think about that time, I'm like, wow, it took so much. And then in the same breath, I'm like, wow, it gave me so much (laughs) because I do, I do really feel like, um, having such a long journey into parenthood supported me in unseen ways. Like in the sense that I think that it probably um, helped me avoid postpartum depression. I was really nervous about postpartum depression and not that you, not that like, you know, if you don't have an infertility journey, then you're going to have depression postpartum. I don't mean that, but I was, you know, I mean, I have been in therapy for a very long time. I've struggled with depression at different times in my life. So it was something that I was like very aware of and a little nervous about, but because it took us so long to get this little angel baby that I, it almost feels like the sleepless nights. I'm like, oh, okay, but I have her finally, you wow. know, like yeah. I think in many ways it really prepped myself to be a parent and both my partner and I, like we had time to think about what we wanted to be as parents and like w- what that meant to us. I personally think when it comes to parenting that like everyone has lessons and things that you're going to have to learn and figure out and do. And like some people learn it when the baby comes and some people have the time to learn it before the baby comes. And I think that, you know, we learned a lot before the baby came. Yeah. I love that. And I resonate with that as I also had a miscarriage about two years ago and then it kind of catapulted my partner and I into, because it was an accidental pregnancy, like, do we want to have kids? And we then mm. had to do so much work as a couple to get ready for even trying to conceive. Um, right. And I feel like because of that two-year journey, 
I'm like so happy and excited because <laughs> that was such a dark gauntlet, you know, it was like kind of a, yep. is he, does he want to or not kind of a journey versus, which is right, very right. different than what you went through, but now being Still here, a journey like, to walk through. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Like maybe there'll be some gratitude for even the sleepless nights of being like, oh, a, this dream got to come true for me. And I know it doesn't yeah. happen for everyone. Um, everybody's yeah, story sure. is so different. I have this quote from your book that I, I just really love, um, that I want to read. Some days I love my body. Some days I hate my body, but every day I respect my body. And that's from your book. I am more than my body. And I'm curious if that idea stuck with you or that sentiment stuck with you, even when you were in that potentially harrowing time of the infertility um, experience, were you able to still feel that daily respect? And obviously with no judgment here, I mean, we are teachers in different ways of the, th the things that we teach, we're most tested in. But I'm curious, how did you hold that for those people that may be listening, that may be also going through an experience with their body where it's hard to stay with that respect? I mean, I would love to tell you that I that I was able to keep it during that time. But the answer is absolutely not. Like I <laughs> was so mad at my body on so many days. And that's, that's just the honest truth. It was, you know, I, I work in fitness. My job is to teach people how to make their body do things that it cannot do. Right. Like that is like, inherently so much of what I teach when it comes to movement. Like this plank or this position's hard for you. Like, let's figure it out. And then, you know, we get to that aha moment or like, that is how I train myself. And this was such a lesson in surrender um, to what my body was ready to do what it could do when it was ready to do it, you know? And that was really difficult for me to grapple with. And I really, really fought it. And I got very mad at my physical self um, so many times. So I don't think that that respect was always there. And, uh, I think I like to pretend sometimes during it that it was there. I was like, okay, I respect my body. Do it on your own time. Okay. I said the words and now get pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, like in my book, I talk about like standing on the porch and everybody was like, oh, your pregnancy is going to happen. Like when you surrender and you, you know, let it just like come in. So I would be like, okay, right, right, right. I'm going to surrender. And I would just remember like one day, like standing on the porch and be like, I surrender. I surrender. <laughs> and then I was like, surely I'll get pregnant this time. And, um, and no, and also like just for anyone out there, I don't think that you have to surrender in order to get pregnant. I actually don't think that that's how it works. I just so happened. So we started IVF. We were supposed to, uh, I was like days before my egg retrieval, we were supposed to make embryos right away and then freeze embryos. My uh, partner got some results back that my doctor didn't like and was a little unsure and like all these like freak things happen basically without going into the whole story. 
And we had to delay two months before we could make our embryos. And I was the most mad, angry, like we've already been waiting so long. I can't believe we have another two month delay. Like I was so upset. In that two month break, we ended up getting pregnant on our own without any medical intervention. And when I tell this story, people are always like, oh, that's exactly how it happens. Like when you're not trying anymore and like when you just let it go, like that's when you get pregnant. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't let it go. Like I was one, I was really mad. Two, Nico was working uh, like two hours away from me. So every other day I would drive out. Like I was peeing on a stick meticulously every day. Like I was still doing all the things that I was doing before, but that, that was when our baby was supposed to come, you know, and that's why we got pregnant. Like I did all of the work that I was supposed to do and the timing was right. And, you know, it, and it happened. And then when we got pregnant, her due date was our wedding anniversary, which is our lucky number. So it just felt so like timing, timing, everything, you know? Yeah. Um, but Yeah, all of that to say, I did not respect my body the entire time. And I think that is okay. Like, I, I, I think that that body neutrality, what it's done for me is it's armed me with a toolbox. So I don't revert back to like old eating disorders, deep addiction, harming myself in ways, um, that 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 were because if I was seeking some sort of control and body neutrality has like even on the days when maybe the respect isn't there or on the days when I love my body hate my body whatever everything in between um it's given me a place to like stay in a more neutral zone yeah that makes sense and just hearing you kind of bring that in that you created this concept or just as a lot of my work has been around yeah, how we heal and then the gifts that emerge from that and really working with them. My work is, you know, through a spiritual and emotional lens more than the physical, but also it's present and the embodiment is super present as well. And it sounds like you took your pain and made it into something really gorgeous and not to take us too far back into that, um, past self, but could you give us a little bit of a glimpse of when you just mentioned, you know, the addictions and the disordered eating, what was a moment where you faced a turning point and, okay, I have this healing to do and I'm going to take it and make something that I can give back to the world. Like what was a point where you were able to do that? What did that look like? Yeah, I mean, there is, you know, the the journey of healing is long and yeah. also not linear. Yeah. Um, when I when I kind of found body neutrality right around that time was like a big turning point for me. So the word itself, like I didn't invent or create okay. or anything. It was it landed in my lap and. Uh, and many people had kind of been like talking about this before. I certainly helped boost um, the word, but I first found it because I was writing an article for someone surrounding body positivity, and they asked me if I would write it about body neutrality. Which, like, looking back now, the words are not interchangeable. Um, but 
I they, they were at that time, whatever. When I first found it, I was like so mad about it. And I was like, buddy, neutral. Like we shouldn't ever be neutral about our bodies because I had like worked so hard at mm. at body positivity. Um, and so neutrality at first really felt scary to me. And then the deeper that I dove into it, the more freeing and liberating that I actually found that it was because it took off the pressure of like constantly feeling that you needed to love yourself and also kind of took the focus away from the body. So around that time um, was really when I was working on kind of changing a lot of my thought process because I found that... um not only was I like deeply restricting food and didn't have a great relationship with food at the time, it, my eating disorder was not near as severe that it as it was in the past, but I still had what I would call disordered eating. And um, I was like noticing that and just feeling like really icky in my body, you know, like always kind of tired, always hungry. Like my health was not at its optimum self, even though my weight may have looked what other people would consider healthy, right? Like so often people are like, oh, you lost weight. You must be really healthy. And that is like the furthest thing from true because right. my thinnest was by far my unhealthiest. Yeah. Um, and then I also like didn't have this relationship with working out with myself that I wanted to have. So always in my classes, for the most part, I think that I preach this idea of like coming to work out and like feeling good and it being this emotional connection. And that was why so many people were drawn to my class. But I didn't necessarily have that with myself. Mm. And working out always felt like this like deep obligation to counter whatever I had ate. And I, the only way I know to describe it is like I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like I just yeah. felt ugh, all the time. And I was like, why am I constantly beating myself up? I have this, you know, body dysmorphia of thinking of one side or the other. And so that was when I kind of decided to do this reset. And I um, quit part of my job, like I was working as a studio director and I took that off of my plate. So I was only teaching classes. So that freed up a lot of time. And I sort of did like a bit of self-discovery. And um, that was that was when things started to, to shift for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so from that moment of self-discovery, you, it sounds like the concept of body neutrality and healing with your own body essentially brought you into, huh, like, is this something I could live by or help others in as well? Is that kind of how the next part of the journey went? Yeah, I think I started, you know, I started talking about it. Instagram became a really great place. That was when I loved Instagram a lot more than I do now. <laughs> it was different. It was different like seven, eight years ago. It was, it was different. It was really different. Yeah. Um, no, I'm finding ways to love it, but social media is a whole other. That's a, another podcast episode for us. Um, I Instagram was a way for me to kind of talk about what was going on and how I was feeling and like be held accountable. 
Um, and so I really liked that platform and kind of this following, like I started to talk about, I started to learn about body neutrality. I started to talk about body neutrality. I started to talk about my experiences that I had and then things that I was trying to do different. For the, I, the example that's coming to mind is scales, like weighing myself was a big part of my eating disorder. And I use the scale as like this really, you know, just weighing myself multiple times a day and like, how much did I weigh after I ate or before I ate or after I pooped and before I pooped? Like it was just like yeah. way too much. Not not a great space for me. Yeah. And the scale started to have this ability to like dictate whether I had a good or a bad day. So I really wanted to stop weighing myself and I threw away my scale. And then the building I was living in had like a scale in it. So I posted on Instagram that like I wasn't going to weigh myself anymore and that this scale was like right there in front of me. It was really tempting and I wasn't going to do it. And I found that because I like made this public profession, (laughs) which was really just for myself, you know, but it helped hold me accountable. And I have to tell you, I have not stood on a scale um, and, and known what my weight was since that time like which was many many years ago including Wait, did you all throughout my pregnancy I requested <gasps> you didn't know I, was I, ask I also you. was like <laughs> I birthed at home and yeah. I had midwives so yeah. they were like really responsive so they were like you don't want to weigh yourself this whole pregnancy you don't have to I have no idea how much I gained during pregnancy lost after like no idea and I'm really happy that I don't know because I think it would have very much set me back especially post-pregnancy where your body's very different and nothing fits and you're really face to face with like your size. Yeah. Um, so, and then when I have gone to the doctor and they wanted me to weigh, I've just said, I have a history of eating disorders. Can I blind weigh? And I just turn, I just step on the scale backwards Yeah. and they don't tell me what the weight is. Yeah. I've done that for the last I don't know how many years too, until my midwife, first midwife's appointment. I was like, (gasps) I looked at the woman and I'm like, this will be the first time in a long time. And I was like, should I do this? (laughs) And then I did. And I definitely tripped up a little in the first few months, not tripped up of like restricting eating, but I I felt like, whoa, (laughs) I gained 20 pounds. Whoa. And now I've made peace with it. And I, I, you know, it was a whole nother conversation, but, um, but yeah. Well, yeah. I do think like the scale can be a good tool for some people, can be helpful, can, you know, maybe support a pregnancy or other things. And then for other people, maybe not, you know? Yeah. And I think that like understanding that piece of yourself or coming to peace with those terms or like having a game plan for how you're going to deal with it is like, that's really what matters, you know? Yeah. And I think it's the same with any anything that is kind of of that addictive nature of like, how am I going to interface with this moving forward? What boundaries do I need to have with myself? Like, how do I share that with the people around me so that they can support me in this process? And um, whether it's alcohol or food or, you know, exercise or anything, but, um, you know, it's funny that, because you said, social media, another podcast, but I wanted to ask you because you have been really (laughs) generous. I think, I think I've only been following you kind of for this last chapter, but you've been really generous in sharing about your changing experience with your body. 
Um, and how has that been? Even like, I just loved when I saw that video of you guys singing about your pregnancy journey and making up your cute song. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's really brave because you're taking something that could be really heavy and it's difficult and sad, right? Like we're having a harder time conceiving than we thought and you're making it humorous and you're bringing like so much light to it. And I feel like how, how has that journey been for you to share how your relationship with your body has changed, your relationship to your size has changed, and also just sharing the vulnerability of um, your relationship to getting pregnant. How has that felt for you um, on social media? Yeah, I mean, it, it was really, it was a while before I told, before I mentioned on social media that we were trying to get pregnant. I was really timid to share that at first because yeah. I didn't want advice from people. And like when you're trying to get pregnant and when you're pregnant, you know, the, the, the shit people say is like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Like it's so intense. And I just didn't, I just didn't want that for a bit. And then I got to a point where I felt like I needed to talk about it because I needed like something else. It couldn't just be me and my partner in my head, you know, like I needed to like get it out there somewhere. Yeah. So in many ways, it, it felt helpful, kind of like what I mentioned with the scale, you know, it was like, it was like a nice place to be able to yeah. um, say what I was going through and kind of a bit yeah. of like a dear diary, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've, I also started working on putting up some boundaries during that time. So I very clearly would say on Instagram, like, I'm writing this. Any comment that is, like, advice in this way, I'm going to delete. Not because you're trying to be mean, but just because it's not something that I can take in right now. Right. And I actually think, like, starting to set boundaries during that time was another lesson that I started to learn. Because when you're a new mom, you need to set a lot of boundaries um, for the things that, like, you want and you need. So in that sense, it was, it was really helpful. Um, I always feel like with Instagram that there's a million more things on my mind that I'm not necessarily sharing, but, um, that, you know, I could, you know, it's like, there's like so much more, but I think with social media in, in general, um, I am not really interested in and putting out anything that like doesn't have some heart to it. That's just who I am in general. Like I'm sure there's plenty of people that look at my social and they're like too much information, but whatever, that's fine. Um, what I don't like about where social media is it's gone is it feels like everybody needs to have a thing. Like you make, you know, TikToks or you make reels about this. And like now mm. you're that person and that thing. And I just like, What's shifted for me is I'm so not interested in growing my following. I'm like, I don't want any more followers. I just want like <laughs> nice people who comment nice things and I can post about movement or about my period or about my baby. And it could be like this gamut of things that I don't have to be in one like yeah. box of, you know, like you make these type of reels. I just, right. so I've just tried to been kind of like tuning out some of the stuff and posting the things that are on my heart. And honestly, that's what I feel like 
the people who I want to be in my corner, that's what they want anyway, you know? Yeah. I really did start to stray away from posting some about like um, gender and identity and LGBTQ community, which I am part of, but it started to feel like um, there was just so many negative comments and there was so many comments from within the community itself of like, why didn't you mention this or why didn't you do that or like... I personally had to step away from some of those topics because I was trying to get pregnant and or pregnant and a new mom and I just needed my shit to be more zen, you know? And so I had to be like, I've been a little bit more conscious and cautious about some of the things that I post because I'm just like not in the place where I want to like ruffle feathers and push buttons and I don't know. I can't like weed through all of that right now. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy. And I think that for people that are, have the energy to like have tons of conversations with strangers on the internet about the things that trigger them. Yes. I don't. (laughs) I have some friends that (laughs) do. I'm like, exactly. I'm like, I love that you can post stuff that's slightly inflammatory and you can be with it. But like, I just don't have the space for that. And it's probably made me feel a little less edgy or cool, but I'm like, totally. (laughs) <laughs> that, that you had so nailed it. Wait, did it shift for you when you got pregnant? Did your pregnancy shift I, some of that? You know, I think it was earlier. I think it was when I met my partner and my focus kind of shifted from being all about me and all about like my work and the internet and my following and my this to about us and like coming into partnership in a deep way. Yeah. And then I sort of was considering, yeah, yeah like this isn't my time where I want to be the most flamboyant and provocative. Um, I'm actually turning my attention a little bit to something else. I don't want to be on my phone all the time having back and forth with everybody, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to check every single DM. I know. I I feel so seen right now in talking (laughs) to you because I, for whatever reason, like I weirdly feel guilty about it. Like I'm like, Oh, I'm not, like crusading as much or something but then I'm also like I you know like but at the same time I do feel like maybe as a society we would be a little more healed if maybe in general we crusaded a little less and like crusaded for ourselves more like I think so many of us have stopped healing here and everything is just so external and so you know we're privy to tons of information which is like humans have never been as privy to as much information as we are right now like everything is almost so external that sometimes I feel like we're forgetting to take care of our internal and that's where some of the healing chain is is broken. Yes. And by you sharing this kind of return to the heart, right? Like that the healing can mm-hmm. also be in creating a heartfelt space. It doesn't have to be in provoking mm-hmm. and like having right. those activist hard conversations and the call outs and this and that. Like there can right. also be a space of just like, hey, I'm sharing openly from the heart this level of like love and vulnerability is also healing. And um, it's just, mm. you know, historically, I, I think love that it hasn't been given the same play, right? Like it's a little bit more like can be kind of brushed off as a little kumbaya or something like that to, to have that mm. kind of heartfelt mm-hmm. sharing versus being like, 
I'm here because I have a mission and I want to change the world. Like that gets a little bit more play because it it has more kind of like energy or fire behind it, you know? And I feel like from where I'm sitting and what I've seen with my friends moving into motherhood, you just, you don't, you, you, things shift in a way energetically. And so maybe there is an opening of the heart that is less kind of pushy or less kind of like, fiery that is a little bit more kind of seated within oneself, which is a concept that a friend of mine, Ebony Janice talks about a lot of like, I'm saying this like from being seated within myself, you know, and Mm, it feels very kind of like thrown, like, you know, instead of exiting your body and kind of pushing outward to be like, ah, everybody wake up. (laughs) Right. Right. Totally. And I, and I also have found that like the, the energy of mothering from like the cracking open of birthing, you know, no matter how you give birth, like there's just like a, there is a, some, I feel emotional because uh, there's just because birth is so like intense and incredible. There's just such a passage that you go through and then the newborn phase and like the baby phase, like it requires so much sitting still and just like being quiet and sitting with the baby. Like I remember when I, when I first started breastfeeding and I had a lactation consultant come over and she was like, oh yeah, so you're going to do 20 minutes each boob. So that's a 40 minute feed, but they're always falling asleep. So you're going to have to like keep them awake. So like feeds take an hour, but then you're supposed to feed every one and a half to two hours and that's start to start. So I was like, wait a second, that only gives me like 45 minutes in between. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, like my whole, it's not like that forever, but like your whole day is just like sitting, feeding. And I distinctly remember having a moment where I was like, I was fighting it so much and I wanted to try to do other things. And I had this moment where I was like, I just have to lean in to the stillness because that is like what this early motherhood is. And mm-hmm. and such like a peaceful, my life has become this like peaceful stillness patience is is such an energy that exists in the early phases anyway now she's getting a little more like loud and rowdy (laughs) but still like still getting her to go to sleep and you know like it's it's really beautiful and I think that I've needed so much of my life to like mimic that Mm -hmm. and yeah if strangers yelling at me on the internet is like not it's not the vibe of new motherhood (laughs) Yeah, not at all. For me anyway. Maybe it is for someone else, but not for me. Right, right, yeah. If they have space for that. One thing I wanted to ask you was um, in your own journey with your body and with uh, being an advocate for body neutrality and beyond like many other things, how has, uh, and if you're open to talking about it, how has your relationship to pleasure and your sensual body or your sexuality in general um, tied into that vision of body neutrality or not? Maybe that feels totally separate, um, but I'm curious. And, mm. and also, did that shift at all as you met and decided to be with your life partner? Was there a shift of like, oh, in this area, 
I actually don't feel neutral. I feel really stoked or really like excited. Um, or did that feel like it was aligned with that in general? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll speak to where I am right now. Um, (laughs) this is like not an exciting answer. My sex drive is in the shitter right now. Like it is just, I know it's a very particular moment. Well, it, but it was—it was a bit surprising to me. So, like when I, I was at the end of my pregnancy, I was very, very like sensual, sexual. Um, having sex made my body feel better, which I don't feel like. I feel like more people get like excited in their second trimester, but like my first and second trimester, I was like ugh, not very into it. And then third trimester hit, and I was like really feeling myself. Um, I actually think that my birth probably progressed so quickly because I had I knew that it was coming on the day and I had sex that morning and like (laughs) within 30 minutes like all of a sudden it was like active labor and I was like throwing up on the floor I was like oh okay like that that went fast um but and then and then after I gave birth um I had a vaginal birth so you know like six weeks is how long you're supposed to wait for sex but like after I gave birth I felt really really uh, just like turned on and sensual and like, oh, it was just, everything was just like this warm glow. Um, but that faded, <laughs> I would say within maybe like the first month or something. And then, you know, now it's just, it, it's, it's weird. It, 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 to be honest, it's just completely weird. Like, yeah. My vagina feels different. Uh, I had a little bit of a strange tear. So, you know, that has felt different. Yeah. Um, breastfeeding does decrease your sex drive. So I like, right. it's been helpful to know that so that I'm like, okay, this isn't forever. I also have like someone touching me the majority of the day, you know, right. and not only touching you, but also like sucking on your boob, you know, right. like it's just very easy to get touched out. Right. So um, that's like a place that I'm still kind of working through and getting back. It's a place where I don't fully feel myself right now. Right. And um, there's been like a bit of like trying to come to some of that acceptance with just within that piece on its own. Right. So you're kind of, you're able to work that same principle in a way, but in this new area of your life of like, well, if I can't love it or hate it in this moment, can I just respect that my body's on its own timeline right now? And, but what about before, before this motherhood journey, um, did you consider, your journey of pleasure and sex as a part of body neutrality or that it was kind of like a separate thing? I don't think that I, that I did to be completely honest. Um, no, I don't know that I've necessarily thought about it in that particular neutrality sense. Yeah. I wish I could give you more there. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think, you know, my, my curiosity was just in terms of like the physical body and, and like you talked about being coming from fitness and then integrating in emotions and sexuality into that space and, um, how our emotional self and our sexual self 
can be in conversation with even just like the physical self and the muscles and the, the part of us that is working out. Um, and you know, maybe that's not necessarily like a part of, of that original work that you created, but, um, but just feeling the layers, right. As we kind of consider our full embodiment, that our emotions are in the body and our orgasms are in the body or, you know, um, that piece of like letting go or, or even like being able to feel more confident in, in yourself, you know, I mean, I haven't necessarily thought about how they relate in particular with body neutrality as a term, but certainly like plenty of clients, I had this client write me a message and she was like, I just have to say since doing become my hips are so much open that now I can ride my husband on top. And I was like, hell yeah. Like I love, yeah. Great. Yeah. you know, which is like such a physical piece that like really helps in, in some other yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so in that conversation too, about, I just wanted to ask a little bit about what it was like coming from potentially the, I'm not sure the timeline exactly, but what it was like to come into life partnership or to make a commitment into partnership. It's a little bit of a departure question from your work or um, Mm. motherhood, but kind of taking it back to before this part of your journey into motherhood. um, Do you feel like that version of you that was putting on the internet, like, Hey, I can't be, I can't get, I'm not getting on the scale anymore. Right. And who is coming into herself and to her identity as a woman who's healing, who is creating something out of her, let's say wound, creating something. Did there, was there a moment that, that, um, kind of happened where you were like, and now I feel ready to be with a life partner. Now I feel ready to call this person in or to make this commitment. I'm curious how your healing journey relates to that step of meeting or partnering Mm -hmm. with someone for a life commitment. Yeah, they're definitely hand in hand. So my partner who I've been married to for five and a half years. Uh, We've known each other for 17 years, just at 17 years. We met at like 18 and 20 years old. And not that we've been together that whole time. So it's like (laughs) not exactly like a college sweetheart story, but um, we, we met really early on and have just kind of grown up together. And during that time, our relationship has been everything under the sun from Mm -hmm. like boyfriend and girlfriend to partners, to fuck buddies, to best friends, to not talking to like, like all of the possibilities have existed. And when we decided to get married, we weren't actually in a relationship. We both had like other, uh, partners. I believe we both had other partners, but we, we, we weren't in a relationship. We were just like best friends at that time and had been for four years. We went to um, the jungle of Peru for an ayahuasca um, week-long integration. And my partner had, had done uh, one of these trips the year prior. It was my first time. And the first night of ceremony, um, 
something really, really intense happened with someone in the group. Uh, that was pretty scary. I'm not going to go into yeah. the details here because it's like yeah. an hour long story, but it was <laughs> very intense. Yeah. And, uh, and, and not typical of, of like ayahuasca ceremony, whatever. Um, yeah. We had this week long and, and it, it was just, I, I don't even know another word. I wish there was like another word I could think of other than intense, but it was yeah. so intense. And we were like on foot, very remote, no electricity, no cell service, no mirrors, like no, no nothing, you know, extremely bare bones. And um, when we came out of the jungle, we were laying in the hotel room and we woke up from a nap and Nico looked at me and was like, I guess we have to get married, right? And I was like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And we did. And like that was in December. And we were like, how about March 9th? Because 39 is our lucky number, which happened to be the due date of the baby. Wow. Who was also born at 9.39 p.m. at 39 weeks and three days. So like they're like the the three nights are all over. She's such a little magic baby. Um, But that was how we decided to to get married. I remember like calling my mom. And I wasn't even like thinking to like tell it like wasn't it wasn't like I called her and was like, oh, should we get married on this day? What I was calling her about was I knew that my grandfather had passed away just the year prior and it was in March. And I wanted to make sure that the dates were this. I wanted to know what date, you know, so I was like, what date, you know, did grandpa pass? And she told me and I was like, oh, okay, great. I was like, I think Nico and I are going to get married on three nine. And she was like, what? What? Like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, yeah, this feels like a a big deal to everyone. (laughs) Um, Wow. And we we went to the courthouse. We didn't do, well, our pictures are epic. You should definitely look those up online to whoever is listening because I love, love our wedding photos. Um, But it was it was just the two of us and our friend who took the photos um, we didn't have any family come. Our mom's already one who, of course, weren't the happiest about that at first. But it was very much a ceremony that was about the two of us and about the family and the life that we were going to start and the life that we had kind of seen revealed to us during this ceremony. And I, I think that, like, when it comes to Nico there's you know like the the person that you call when something bad happens like no matter what else is going on like you can be in the middle of your biggest fight of your life or whatever and that's the person that you're calling like Nico has always been that for me even very early on in the relationship it was like we were always that to each other and so the marriage for us was really about like this foundation that like it, it was about building upon a foundation that we both knew was there. And mm. um, there's kind of this vision that we often talk about when it comes to the two of us. And it's like two trees in a forest and their roots are connected underneath. 
But up top, like there's always like different animals and different things and, you know, whatever the wind and there's different creatures that like come and live in either one of these two trees and they stand individually, but their roots are, are connected underneath the ground. And that just is very like us. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. And do you think that like the timing of that was that there was like a time inside of your own journey as a human, um, as a soul walking here on the planet, that there was a time where you were ready for that besides the ceremony being like the space where that information was revealed. Like, did you have any inclination of like, Oh shit, like things are about to really change in my life or I'm ready to make this type of commitment. Was there anything that kind of um, was was whispering in your ear prior to that moment? I think as far as Nico being the person that I wanted to marry, that felt very clear from, like, a- actually from when I first met him, which I think is crazy because I'm so not a romantic in that type, in that way. But, um, oh. so this is a, this is a cute story. And then I'll try to stay on track with the question. But no. when I, I had only like known Nico, I just posted about this recently. I'd only known Nico for a year. I don't even think we were together at the time. And I was living in Chicago and I walked past this like really posh baby store and they were having a sale. And I do kind of feel like at this time, this is just when baby clothes started to get like cool, you know, like, uh, like, like, now I think all baby like so, like they were so many more, cool, more hip and, yeah, yeah 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 like I think it was around this time but so there was like this really cool baby store and they were having this sale and there was this little t-shirt this little red t-shirt and it had a suede like peace sign on it and it said peace and love and Nico and I at this time were like very much in our hippie phase and I was like oh my gosh this is the coolest baby clothes I've ever seen and I bought that shirt for what I knew would be our future child. And 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 I am telling you, like, I'm not the type of person that was like, oh, I just met the love of my life. Like, I've never been a big romantic and I've always been, like, pretty, like, skeptical about things and very reasonable. But, like, in that moment, I was like, I'm buying this for our future kid. Last week... I found the shirt when we were cleaning out our house upstate and it like fit. It it was the exact size that our baby is now and fit her perfectly. It was such a moment of like, what in the world? You know, like there's always been something with Nico where I'm like, I've known that it, that it's going to be you. As far as like the timing of getting married, you know, and making that type of commitment, when we got married, we, we wanted to get married, like as far as like kind of, legally establishing our family but especially then both of us were dating other people and so we went into our marriage with like open terms um Mm. we uh, were not particularly dating anyone right now just because that's not the season of our life but I think that that's like always there for us you know like 2020 happened then trying to get pregnant and then having a baby it's just not like go out and meet new people time Um, but that's okay. Like I, that, that, uh, peace exists within our relationship. So when I first got married, like I was kind of like, okay, I'm not really going to make a big 
thing of this because I like still want to date women and I, you know, want to be out or whatever. Like, um, yeah, it felt like let's just kind of do this. And that's what it is, you know, then as time went on, I think particularly in trying to start a family, um, marriage, I just think can be a really special and, and beautiful thing. Like I wanted to tell myself at the beginning, people like, Oh, do you feel different? I was like, no, it feels the exact same, but like, it doesn't. I think, I think marriage can mm. really, if, if it's right for someone, I think it can, can feel different and be a really beautiful testament, um, to your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's beautiful and inspiring. And also what like a, a very unique story, right? Like a very um, <laughs> unique and auspicious journey. Uh, so I just want to, and I, and we'll, we'll leave it with there. We'll leave it there with the love and the romance. And I appreciate you taking us through um, some of how your, this last phase of your life has gone from becoming a mama to getting married, to creating your work in the world. And um, what do you have cooking up right now that people can um, access like of your work or what is something that you would like to direct people towards as we close up here? Yeah, I mean, my, my movement is found um, on the Become Project, very body neutral movement, super attainable, all levels welcome. I'm really excited because in the next month, we're going to be um, rolling out a few new things on there that my... My ultimate goal would be to take it beyond movement and start to have some conversations surrounding body neutrality and some some other ways to connect. So stay tuned on there. And then as you've mentioned yeah. so generously here, but my book, I Am More Than My Body, uh, how you've written a book, so you know, how wild is it to put out your thoughts into the world and on a page like that's a whole other experience in and of itself. Um, yeah. And it's really cool it's to brave. have, Good to job. have people read it. Can work. Uh, yeah, you too. And, you know, and, and also <laughs> like the audacity to go for a second one. <laughs> I know. Ooh. I definitely like I said to my therapist recently, like, um, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> it like, is. It's a very we, like brave, hard, scary thing to do. Um yeah. So. yeah. so everybody go by Bethany's book because <laughs> there's a lot of love and a lot of, a lot of work, hard work that went into that. And, um, and the become project is your movement platform, which is great. And you provide little tidbits of that online on Instagram too. So people can, can find that there. So we'll link all of that here. And thank you so much for taking the time today and just sharing so generously about your journey. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I want to offer you some questions for contemplation, integration, and writing if you wish. The first one is to consider, was there something in today's episode that touched you or moved you or triggered you? An image, an idea, a story, Take a moment and just think about it. Is there anything that provoked you, that reached inside of you, that perhaps brought up a memory or an idea from your life? What in this episode inspired you? Was there something that surprised you, that stood out for you? 
could you jot it down just to remember? Maybe it was a concept or something that the guest said that took you by surprise, but that uplifted you, that brought you to some new awareness. Was there something about this episode that upset you, that provoked you, that pissed you off? Giving yourself full permission to dive into that. Was there anything about this episode that soothed your soul, that helped you feel a little bit more belonging, a little bit more at home, a little bit less like you're the only one? Taking those questions into your heart or into your journal or into your day, If anything stood out that you want to share with me, please do so on social media, direct into my DMs. I'd love to hear what touched you, what moved you, what you're taking from this time together. And if this episode truly inspired you in some kind of way, share it with a friend, like, subscribe, and write a review. It means a lot to me. Thank you. So happy you're here with me daring to feel.